your church. We're just honored that you're here worshiping. For those of you that this is your church, guys, we're home. Amen. We're home. Uh, not shocking, I've cried about three times already this morning. And uh, yeah, Anna's making fun of me even. Um, it, I, I love being a part of this community. I love pastoring here. I love preaching here. This week, Jamel could tell you, I was, I was extra weird. I'm weird anyway, but I was extra weird about the sermon this week. Because this is our first week here. And I feel like it matter, Like every week matters. Every opportunity that we have to open the Bible, to hear from God matters. But there's something different about like, this is day one. And, and it's not that we have like arrived and now we retire, but it's like we have finally made it down onto the field for like the opening kickoff. That's what this is. It's finally like game day. And, and so here we are. And so I'm so excited as we prayed about what to start with talking about. We're talking about home because we've come to a physical place that is now our church home in this neighborhood that is our home, that we want to get to be good neighbors and, and all of this. But there's also this deeper sense of home that God has given us that we need to talk about. What is home? And what is this about? And so this week I get to, to speak to us about our longing for home. But as we start here, we're not starting as a brand new church. We were a, a new church before. What we're really celebrating now is we're like toddlers. We walk awkward, but we can use the big boy potty. That's what we are. And, and we're celebrating. This is a really big deal. And, and it's very different when you're a, a tiny baby to a toddler, right? And what we're talking about is, is we're celebrating this big step of maturity. God is trusting us with a 24-7 facility. That's a lot of trust God's given us. God has gifted us with being on the corner of 4th and Oak. And I feel like we are like royalty to have this honor to be at 4th and Oak. On Monday when, when we had our little cookout and people were coming off the bus to, to, to come eat with us, I was like, we could not have a better place in this community. Even like the schools that are near us, like... Principal McCoy is here today. We get to partner with schools. And I said it in a mic that's recorded, so we mean this, you know. But we get to partner with people to make a difference right here. This is incredible. As you walked in, there were beautiful flowers up there from Charlie across the street. Who's excited that we're neighbors. Like this is, we're entrusted with a lot and we're, we're maturing here. So we're talking a little bit about Maturity, and if we've hung out for more than 10 minutes, you know, this is something I need. So when I was a, a, a tiny baby, I don't know how old, hopefully really, really little, I, I matured past diapers, and I'm sure my parents were excited. Past the pacifier, which I'm sure my dad particularly was like, finally, 15 years old, you finally get rid of that thing. Then we get to grade school, and I can remember the day in grade school where I was sick and I didn't go to school and I finally learned and matured enough to realize that people's lives go on when mine goes on hold. You, you ever have that moment yet? Some of you, I don't know, maybe not. But like I didn't go to school. I was shocked they didn't cancel school because I was sick. But they still had school. And like, oh, okay, this is a little bit of maturing. You're going to do class even without me. I don't know how you do that, but good luck. 
middle school, I finally matured past the idea of playing shortstops in the major leagues. That's what I was going to be until middle school when I realized, like, I wasn't good. <laughs> that I should probably come up with a backup plan. In high school, I just needed to mature all over the place. But constantly like this maturing, right? And the one that I remember the most is my, I had the privilege of at 18 right after high school going to college. Some of us in the room got to do that right away. I got to go. I went about 90 minutes from my home in Minneapolis. My mom and dad loaded up the, the Jeep Grand Cherokee with, with everything I owned, all my clothes for me and my guitar for the ladies. And we loaded up that car and, and we headed down the road and got to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, the Blue Golds. I don't even know what that is. I went there. We were just the blue. We were two colors. That's what our name was. But I get to Eau Claire, and we, we go into the dorm. I remember I was the third floor. We carried up my, like, four boxes and my guitar to the third floor, went down to the back by the Jeep again, and my dad shook my hand, and my dad said, Son, I'll see you at Thanksgiving. And I was like, what? I, and he's like, you, you're not coming home till Thanksgiving. And I remember being like, how are you going to make it to Thanksgiving without me? <laughs> like, I, Dad, you're going to have to come up here. Like, you're going to miss this. But he's like, no, you can't come till Thanksgiving. And like, oh, okay, this is weird. And then finally later I asked him, like, Dad, what's that about? And he's like, I don't want you homesick. You're supposed to be a man now. And you need to make friends and not come hide at the house and, and not retreat back to your old life. And, and like, you, you can't be homesick. So I'll see you at Thanksgiving. And until then, you can call. I might not answer, but you can call. Okay. Okay. I had to find this new sense of home. Now, when we're saying home, we are not talking about, like, just a building, Right? We're talking about this inward feeling, this, this identity that you are at home. We are talking about uh, this belonging, this security, being seen and loved, having meaning for your days and throughout joy throughout your week. We're talking not about just this physical space, but we're talking about like this deep identity of I belong here. And this identity that through Christ we can walk around with, that I belong no matter where my feet go, I belong here. I belong in Old Louisville when I'm in Old Louisville. I belong the University of Louisville when I'm at the University of Louisville. I belong because I'm at home. Now, my parents are awesome, and I get what my dad was doing, and it ended up being helpful. I made all these friends, but he, he misread something. You see, we don't ever mature past our longing for home. We don't. We mature into it. As we grow and as we mature and as we age a bit, we mature into this deep desire for home. We have a homesickness that is much deeper than an address. It's not 1212 that cures that. It's, it's this and the Holy Spirit within us. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So Jesus gives this great story of a father who had two sons. You've heard this before, possibly. But the, the younger son, he, he was like a young son. I did some, some reading. They think he was probably, by, by 
Jesus' story, you know, it's a parable. It's an example of teaching a deeper left, uh, lesson. But in the story, that he's probably like 17 or 18 years old, this, this younger son. And the younger son breaks all family code and, and says that he'd rather have his dad gone. He doesn't actually say that, but he says, give me my inheritance, which you don't get that inheritance until your dad is gone. And so this 17 or 18-year-old young man says, in all brashness, I would rather have my inheritance than your tomorrow. And we don't know why he said it. Jesus doesn't say why. And he doesn't say why the father gave the inheritance. He doesn't say. But we know that the father quickly gives the inheritance to the son, and the son who's 17 or 18, and if you remember back to those days, those are when you knew everything. <laughs> this young man is about to go be somebody. This is what, what we read in Luke 15. Uh, read with me. Uh, not, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him in, into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, if you know how this story goes, most of us villainize this young man right away. Even Scooby was talking to me about the way that we label him in ways that Jesus didn't. We call him the prodigal. Jesus didn't call him that. We do. We do this great job of throwing identities on one another and just fixating that that is who somebody is, right? But this young man, he, he left home. And if we're honest, we've had moments like this. He was like, I've got this one. Invest in me a little bit, and I've got it. And he goes to this faraway country, I don't know where it is, and he goes to prove himself. And you've ever, if you've ever had that moment where you're going to prove yourself, you are probably like that young Son, you are living in some messages that are untrue. You've got to go make it on your own. You've got to go be somebody. You don't need anybody. You don't need anything. You can handle this. And that's the kind of stuff that this young man was living in. He goes to this other country, faraway country. We don't know which country it is. But he goes to this other country, loses everything, and then famine hits the whole land. He prob I'm reading into it. There's probably some prosperity at the time. That's probably why he picked it. Hey, it looks like I could succeed there. Loses everything. Everyone goes into famine, and then he catches a break, and he gets a job. But he gets a job doing something that his family would have seen as just repulsive. His, his now vocation is something his family would call unclean. And this thing starts to happen within him. See, he wastes everything, and he starts feeding the pigs, here's what comes next. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. See, the son imagines himself back at home. At least if he was at home, he, he would have the security of being with people he knows. At least if he were at home, he would be able to eat what the servants eat. He, could, he assumes that he'd be welcome back with his apology. And so he practices this speech, and he heads towards home. Now, I've gotten the chance to preach on this passage a few times. I'm telling you, this is where I lose people. 
This is where I lose people. And, and, and the reason is because some people can't relate to the son. Not that the son left, but because they don't know home like that. They don't know the father like that. Their first thought isn't, oh, I'll get a good meal if I go back home. Oh, my apology will be accepted if I go back home. Maybe they left with nothing, not an inheritance. Or they had their bags packed by someone else, or they were thrown out and told not to come back. They don't long for home, because home reminds them of a lot of pain. And a reunion would be the worst thing. If that's you, I want you to know that the, the longing for home doesn't skip you. It doesn't skip you. You've got some extra hurdles. You've got some extra pain because of the home you were born into or, or you passed through. But the, the d- desire to belong in a place among a people doesn't skip you just because your home might have been tough. You still desire a place where you're safe, a place where you're known and you're loved. You still long for a relationship where you don't have to hide. I've actually had a few people get really angry at me for this passage. Like they want to like fight me which doesn't make much sense because they're going to win. They know that. (laughs) I've had a few people say, it's not fair, Matt. You had a home where you were loved. So you come telling me this story, and you can relate to it, but I don't have a father like that. And they've got raw, real emotion in this because I can't relate. And they're like, Matt, just sit down. You can't relate to me. Here's what I want to tell you. If that's you, I can't relate. I I had a dad who broken like me, but my dad did love me. I can't relate. I can imagine. I've heard stories. I can cry with you, but I can't relate in the ways that you think that you need me to. But me not being able to relate on that, that that doesn't meet your longings anyway. If I can relate, I still can't do anything about it. Here's the good news. Jesus can relate, and he does something about it. Jesus can relate, and he doesn't just like pat you on the back and say, that was a tough upbringing. Here, let's share a large fry together. He doesn't do that. You see, the good news is that the one that gave you that longing, he understands you, and he still heals. So in the third paragraph of the Gospel of John, this is the account of Jesus' life that we have written by John. In verse 9, it starts like this, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Let's chew on this for a second. I want to just point out a few notes. So the Gospel of John is written in Greek to people who spoke Hebrew, okay? So it's Jewish people with a Jewish understanding of this Greek language. When they hear the word true, they do not think the opposite of false. And sometimes it's important for us to know what they think because it was written to them. And then we, we learn from, from that. They were not simply thinking the opposite of false. They weren't thinking the correct light. That's not what it was. It wasn't A, B, C, or D, and A correct, so answer A. What they would have read there is that there is this complete whole light, this dependable light. Yes, it's the opposite of false. It is true, but it's much broader and more rich than just correct. The true, dependable, complete light. What does it do? It gives light to everyone. Chew on that one for a second. 
The Gospel of John says that Jesus, the true light, the assumption here is which gives light to everyone. That's present tense. What Jesus is doing right now is he is giving light to everyone. My church had lots of qualifications on who everyone was. It was kind of Norwegian Lutherans when I was young. Everyone was code for that. But I believe everyone probably means everyone. And I went and looked in Greek a little bit, and it looks like, I don't speak Greek, it looks like Greek everyone means everyone. And this has some ramifications for us here. What does John mean here? How, how does God make this happen? We think about some people in proximity. We, we think that like only, <laughs> too many of us think only U.S. people know Jesus. And if you're too far from the U.S., how, how, how are you going to hear about him? Well, I, don't, I don't know, but he says everyone. Does he still speak through dreams? Does he still teleport Phillips? Does he still work through nature in all of these ways to point people to Jesus? And it's not distance that we're talking about. We're talking about people who, well, there's some people that we just don't bring the good news to. And those people who did that thing or live in that place, or have that story. We don't bother bringing the good news to some folks because we're just sure they're outside of everyone. But if we let John say what John says, he says that the true, complete, whole light, which currently is giving light to everyone, meaning everyone, that's what he is up to. Then on top of giving light to everyone, he decided not just to create the world, but he was going to come to the world. He was going to come be a part of of this world. What we know is that the Gospel of John is the account of Jesus, this true dependable light who enlightens everyone in the world that he created by coming into it. That's some good news I get excited about. Because when I go meet somebody, I want to know how they see the light. Where is it that they are encountering the light? I don't want to just act like I carry it with me in my wallet. Hey, you need me. Let me tell you why you need me. But I want to know, how, how is it that Jesus is finding you? And you might not even know yet, but let's find that together. Let's mine that out. Look, look at what, what John says next. He says, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. You see, we're coming back to that home thing here. This dependable light that made the world came to the world. The Greek here where we read to his own implies to his home. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his home, and his own people is his family. So this is really saying he came to his home, and his own family did not receive him. This is why I say your Savior knows your pain. Those of you who going back to your home doesn't sound all that promising. He knows that. This pain that you've carried around, you've tried to shrug off or act like it's not a desire for home, tried to outgrow it or mature past it. I want you to hear the beauty of this good news. Jesus knows that pain. I may not have lived in that pain, but he knows that pain. And if there's one of the two of us that you want to know it, it's him, not me. Yeah. 
because the hope of the world, he was rejected by his family, and he does something about it. Look at the very next verse. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but the will of God. Now this verse tells it all. For everyone, all who believe in him, this is not just call on, like just say a name one time, but this is entrusting in him, putting your life in him. That means uh, listening to him, being defined by him. To everyone who that is you, he gives you a right. We love our rights, right? We're fighting about our rights constantly. Here's the best one you've got. You have the right to be called a children of God. That's your right. Yes, you can vote and go vote, please. You, you, you've got other rights. We've got bills of rights. We've got other, like, you go up somewhere, you've got rights within that building. You've got all kinds of rights. Let me tell you, this is the one that really matters. Whatever else is in your story, you entrust Jesus, you have the right, that's legal talk, to be called children of God, to be called a child of God. See, this changes our story here. And those of us who have, like, origin stories that might not be our favorite, he says this isn't about the blood you were born into. It's not about the will of, of man. It's not about, like, trying to measure up and trying to be somebody, trying to prove yourself. None of that. You see, that's the way that we try to, try to impress God, and it doesn't work, and that's also the way that we discredit ourselves. He says really clearly, you entrust your life to Jesus, you have the right to be called a child of God, and then the very thing that defines you, in this very next verse on, on here, the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He says, whatever, whatever your story, you entrust in him, and you were born of him. Your, your birth was his will. That one who's good, that's the father. He wants you here. Whatever message you heard, he wants you here. No matter what events and messages of your birth in your early life, he's the one who defines you. He's the one who defines me. Now the truth of our homes is that they're meant to point us to something. Those of you who have young kids in your, in your home, what you're trying to do is provide a place where they know that they're loved so then they can encounter Jesus and say, oh, I've heard that before. My, my mom and my dad sing that same song. They don't sing it very well, but they sing that same song, that I'm loved. That's the point of home, right? It's supposed to be this messy place where we belong and we're cared for and we live next to one another and we have meaning and, and richness and all of that. But no matter what your origin story is, no matter what happened before, your story can be rewritten by the fact that you now put your trust in him. He desires for you to be here. And for everybody, everybody, it's your right to be his child. And that's a desire we don't mature out of. That's something we mature into. Because we're meant to be loved no matter what your age is. No matter what your story is, you have the right to be a child of God. The good news is that he who is dependable, whole, and true is the one who placed that longing within you. 
not that long. And we, uh, we try to fill it with other things. Cheetos. I had Cheetos last night. I'll be honest. I've worked too much this week. I went home. There was a bag of Cheetos. I asked that Cheetos to be comfort. It didn't work. <laughs> Stained my hand orange. That's it. We ask much more serious things than Cheetos to be things, right? We ask money to be our meaning. There's never enough. At times, we've asked this building to be our hope and our comfort. We've had to repent for that. No, it's just a building. We ask for relationships to be the, our, our husband or wife or our, our, the one that we're dating or something. We ask that person to be the one who makes us feel at home and they can't and we get crabby. Because how dare you not fulfill every need that you can't meet? They weren't meant to. We're meant to point one another. To even point out our desire, our longing for home and let God meet us in that space. Well, we started off this sermon with a story of, of, that Jesus told of a son and a father, right? This son who left, who was living in famine. He got to this point of, of turning, of going back to the father. And here's what we're doing. The next two weeks, we're going to finish this story. Because the, this story is worth spending some time on. But for today, here's what we need to know. You're longing for love and acceptance. You're longing to walk into a place and have somebody want you there. You're longing to be seen and cared for. That's not the broken part of you. And I don't think I could say this enough to you. You're longing for someone to say you have value and meaning and we want you. That's not the broken part of you. That's where his, his image is implanted on you. That's not you acting immature. That's you acting human. And remember, it's humans made in his image. That's you acting like who you were created to be. You know, my, my little girl teaches me this all the time. You've hung out with Anna for three seconds. She's probably punched you in the stomach or slapped you in the butt. She hasn't, it's coming, and I'm sorry. Here's why. She can't, she can't imagine that someone wouldn't want her around. I don't know what God put in her little brain, but I'm jealous. She assumes she belongs in every room, and everybody wants her to talk at all times. And somehow we, culture teaches us that we're not to be that. We're not to be that confident. We're not to belong like that. We're to sit straight and quiet and all this kind of stuff, when really, you're to be loved. You're to be enjoyed. People are to look at you and say, I see Jesus in there. And I, I want to be more like that Jesus in there. And we're to encourage one another and stoke the fire with, within one another. This is for everyone. So we should be wandering around saying, hey, if I haven't seen it yet, show me what Jesus has done. That's what we need to be doing. And that's what this home is really about. It's about coming back to the Father, and so for all of us here, it's welcome home. Physically, but spiritually, but some of us have drifted. Welcome home. My door's open. 
When I think of why one church is at the corner of 4th and Oak, I really believe it's because I have brothers and sisters I haven't met yet. Or I met them and they didn't know. They looked and they're like, no, we're not a brother and sister. Like, uh, maybe we are. But perhaps. I believe it's because this is to be the body of Christ. We're to be the family that starts to remind people, you're home. Your home, get familiar at home. This is the place you, you kick your shoes off and you're a little messy and you figure it out, right? That's what home's to be. That's why we are here. We're meant to be here so that we can care for one another like we were created to do. And so maybe when we lean on one another and recognize one another, maybe we'll, we'll be able to begin to recognize ourselves, be able to begin to recognize God at work within us. If you're looking for a people to belong to, we're here. We'd love to be your family. We'd love to walk this thing out together. Guarantee you I'm going to disappoint you monthly, if not more. But it's not a place that's about that. We're going to do our best, and we're going to get as far as we can on everything. And then we're going to celebrate along the way. But more important than just a community, I want you to know, if you've got that longing within you, it's because God put it there. And it's Jesus who put that there. He made you for that because he's good enough to meet that. And maybe this is your first time where you're like, hey, I, I, maybe perhaps I'll give Jesus a try. But it also is for some of us who like try with Jesus about 92%. And we can't imagine he'd meet us in that other eighth. Whatever that is, we're going to worship in a second. And I want to encourage you and invite you to open up your heart some. There's often parts of us that we, we keep hidden. We keep closed up. It's like that ugly closet we don't let anybody look in. It's here to be at home. And it's not like you have to go find that. Like he'll be within you, giving you the belonging and security that you need. If you need somebody to pray with or talk with, we have some people in the back who would love to pray with you and talk with you, tell you more about Jesus and what it looks like to be found in him. But I want to pray for all of us. And I want to pray that our longing only increases, that we desire home more and more and more because it's there that we'll be more and more filled with the spirit. So let's pray together.